joining me today from Real World Go Big or Go Home and MTV's Challenge. And now on Deku and Amazon Prime, you could watch Stranger Hearts, Ammo. Thank you for joining me today, Ammo. Hi. Quite the intro with a little bit of a tongue twister there. <laughs> Just tried to make I know, sure. I've been I busy. Told. Yeah. So before we get into obviously you know the MTV where you're more well known, talk to me a little bit about how now this uh, Stranger Hearts thing came about. So um, I actually had uh, at the time a friend who was a journalist that I connected with during uh, the time I was on The Real World. And they wrote some really nice things about me in the Huffington Post. And we connected um, on Facebook through that. Then when I left New York um, two years ago to move to Nashville to start working on promoting a musical project, um, we were able to connect offline. And his name is Kevin James Thornton. He's fantastic. He's actually produced several albums of his own, a feature-length film, and now he just finished his second TV show. Um, and we got together, and we really clicked, and he brought up the idea of doing this TV show to me. And I had had several years of acting um, previous to all of my time on TV, so it was something I was excited to get back into. And then lo and behold, it got picked up by Amazon and Deku. And um, yeah, so please watch it. I, I, we're really proud of it. And it actually turned out really, really great. It was all filmed in Nashville. It was all made using local talent. So yeah, very exciting. Now, was that anything, uh, you know, you getting, uh, you know, noticed for that? Was that anything that had to do with, uh, anything related to what you previously did on, uh, you know, MTV, or was this completely like? Um, I think, I mean, everything that I've done it has kind of led to the next thing, you know, like the real world led to the challenge, and then I think that the notoriety um, I was able to garner, even with as limited as it's been, has helped position me to be um, at least recognized for, or, or uh, in, I guess not recognized, um, but to be at least vetted for other projects. I think I, I occupied a pretty unique space on both of those shows where for a lot of people that do these shows, it's not like it's being written for you, but I mean, a lot of these people aren't really brainiacs and so production does have to kind of coax them along with what they want to happen how they want their character to act thankfully like me as a person was entertaining enough on both the real world and the challenge so they didn't have to like coax me they didn't have to give me lines they didn't have to create narratives for me I just decided to be myself and then you know I may not have ever received kind of the like widespread um, acclaim or acceptance that someone like some of these other characters on the show have, but I also was never looking to be a, a right, career, right. real like reality television star. So I like where my career's gone, and I am grateful that it has taken me away from reality TV in large part because I thought the process was brutal. Yeah. So now uh, getting back into the you know reality thing. So before going on to the real world, um, I read and correct me if I'm wrong, you were a part of like a Mormon family, Mormon church. So like MTV was like completely, you know, non-existent for you. Like you weren't able to really, you know, watch that stuff growing up. So mm -hmm. talk to me a little bit about like what you were doing before, you know, going on to the real world and what kind of led to that point? Hmm. Um, okay. So Previous to the real world, I was attending BYU in Provo, Utah. It was very Mormon. Um, and then, ironically enough, um, a lot of the issues that we're protesting about now, um, people started protesting within the church I was a part of. So there were a lot of women's issues. There was a lot of... Uh, 
blatant discrimination against LGBTQ people. And then the Mormon church has like a history of systematic racism that is pretty easy to find if you go and look for it. And I myself, I think, was kind of starting to understand my passion for activism. And as I started researching and learning about the church that I had been a part of, I was like, oh, this is not, I don't like this. Um, so I left BYU. I went to New York. I met this um, woman that I was going to art school with. I was in a really bad living situation. Like I was like, I was in Bushwick in New York and I just had to like, I like had literally flown there, a one-way plane ticket, no place to live. So I found like the first room someone would offer me, didn't even see it. And it turned out being with this like French heroin addict who had been this designer back in the nineties, but had just like totally collapsed into his own like filth and like hedonism and and um, he lived in this horrible apartment with this dog that had all these tumors on its face and like it was shitting all over the place all the time. He's having these drug fuel orgies all over and not with cute people or else I would, you know, been there in a heartbeat. Um, and I was like, this is horrible. And I was telling this woman I went to school with about it and she was like, well, you could come and stay on my couch for a month. I can help you find an apartment. She lived in New York for a long time. And then, we ended up sleeping together and kind of in our post-coital conversation, she was like, have you ever thought about being on reality TV? And I was like, no. I mean, because I'd never even really watched it growing up Mormon. And she's like, I really think that you should try out for this show called The Real World. They like always are doing things with people like you who have these like really weird backstories and I was like, yeah, I mean, whatever. Um, so she ended up like taking some pictures of us in bed together and like doing a little write up. She's an amazing copywriter and she sent it to MTV and like they literally walked me onto the show. I mean, I barely had to interview. Um, wow. It was pretty quick. So okay. I never even applied, which is one of the weirdest things about where my life is now. If like I hadn't had met this woman, she's still one of my really good friends. If we hadn't slept together, if I hadn't told her about all of these things, like it never, I never would have been on the show. And then there we were. Wow. That's definitely, you know, interesting considering most of the people that I've, you know, done podcasts with and I asked them about their process, it usually you get, you know, obviously different stories as to like how they got you know, noticed, but <laughs> mostly for the most part, it's been, oh, I go to this meeting. I had this Skype call. I had like six different meetings, all this paperwork was, that seems like not really. No, I mean, I did have to do a lot of paperwork, um, but I, I did, I, I want to say I did maybe one group interview and I remember I was in this room. So first of all, I got, I mean, so stumped. Because I was like, what are they ever going to want with... I'd never seen the real world. I didn't really know what they were looking for. But I had this idea of what I thought MTV was, which was more of that kind of like Florabama Shore douchebag jock guy. And at the time, I was still identifying as a man. And I was like this skinny little hipster, like with a beard, running around Bushwick, you know, like... And I just was like, there's no way that they're going to want me on this show. Like, I, I'm just, like, not what they're looking for. So I didn't take it seriously at all. I got so baked, I could barely, like, I got lost on the way there on the subway. Like, missed my stop. I was late. And then I walk into, the te- like, the Viacom Tower or whatever, and um, they, like, usher me up. And I was in this room just full of all these people that were, like, so desperate be on TV. I mean, like it was like seeking, like seeping out of them, you know, like just people that had these like crazy backstories and were wearing these crazy outfits and like trying so hard to be interesting. And I was so high and I just was like sitting back, like, what is, what is going on? Like, who are all these fucking assholes? <laughs> and um, 
So I just didn't really participate. Like, I literally just, like, sat there and, like, cracked jokes and, like, dicked around with the producer. You know, because she was, like, cool and hot and, like, was honestly the most interesting person in the room. So I was just shooting the shit with her, faked as fuck, and then, um, lo and behold, <laughs> she was like, hey, we, I really like talking to you today. And I was like, are you serious? And she was like, yeah. And the next interview I did was the B-roll footage that they used on the show. So it was like, boom, boom. Wow. Yeah. That's, that is so funny. And they had me film. I didn't even submit the tape. They had me film that after they already told me it was on the show. Oh, wow. So, so was that almost like a, uh, you know, just do this for the sake of, you know. Honey, everything about these shows is just do this for the sake of the show. There is nothing real about the real world or the challenge. As much as the fans I know like to believe it's a reality TV show, there's a reason why your favorites get to the end every single time, and it's not because they're great competitors. <laughs> You're telling me that they bring Jemmy back every time because she's an amazing competitor? No! <laughs> get real! Right. <laughs> there are people, you know, like like Cara Maria, God bless her. Y'all give her so much shit. But she is an incredible athlete. She trains all year long just so she can go to these things and kick ass. Laurel does the same thing. Laurel is an ex exceptional athlete. Um, I mean, some of the guys are, I would say, athletic, but they all kind of follow the CT trajectory where when you make a career out of alcoholism and buffoonery, you know, inevitably, I, I, that's what I don't really understand about, like, longevity of these shows. But then I see people like Johnny who have, like, really made this into a career. And, like, again, Johnny's another person that everyone gives so much shit to, but he is an incredible businessman. Yeah. And he understands that they don't keep heroes around on the show. They keep villains around. And that's why they've kind of transitioned Kara into being a villain. Uh, they transitioned Camilla into being a villain. Um, this is a show about villains. It's not a show about heroes. It's just we believe them to be heroes because they're fighting each other. Yeah. Yeah. Fighting is not that heroic. It's actually kind of like the basest way to solve problems. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no doubt. Kayla is also, I mean, I have to give Kayla a shout out for my season because I personally, I mean, and I, I know that she's had terrible interactions with other people on the show, but she's always been wonderful to me. And any of our interactions outside of the show, she is just so nice. She's just exactly who she was on The Real World, this really nice girl from West Palm, Florida, who loves to party. Yeah. But the show, you know, I think that she realized early on, like, the show likes bitches. And so they, like, she is really good about playing the game of, like, letting the producers create a character out of her that has longevity on the show. Me, you know, they'd be like, could you say this? And I'd be like, no! You know, which is why I'm not on the show anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, can you call right. so-and-so a slut and a whore in your own words? I'm like, no. There you go. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, this few seasons before your real season, they're doing, like, the whole gimmicky name for the season. Like, they have, like, Real World Explosion when they bring your exes on. Skeletons, which is, like, someone, you know, from your past. And the uh -huh. season after yours was, like, Bad Blood. So yours was called Go Big or Go Home. What was kind of, like, the premise or main idea of, like, the Go Big or Go Home? Uh, oh, I don't think anyone knows to this day. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things when I look at the gimmicks and I just see it, I'm just like, like, I know what the other ones like, mean, even if I don't this? watch it. Yeah. Uh, I just watched Showgirls this week for the first time, um, which if you haven't seen it, it's like the campiest. It's called the worst movie ever made. Um, okay. But that doesn't mean it's not great. I think it's actually a cinematic masterpiece. Um, but it's set in Vegas, and it's like all of these just like explosive, loud, hot people in Vegas 
like doing crazy shit. I feel like our season is like the showgirls of the real world where it's like, it's so bad, it's good, you know? Yeah. Okay, I could, yeah. The no one has any uh... idea what they're doing. We were working on no budget. Like, we had the shittiest house, I think, in real world history. And uh, it was just a shit show. Like, it was the whole thing from beginning to end was a shit show. No one had any idea what we were doing. No one had any idea what we were going. Like, the producers were making it up as they went, just, like, trying to introduce all these gimmicks to make it, like, more watchable. But then at the heart of the story, and I learned this from one of the executive producers at the MTV Movie Awards, he got, like, super drunk and, like, picked a fight with me because he said I was, like, he's, like, I'm the puppet master. You try to mess up my puppetry. And I was, like, oh, fuck off, you know? And he was mad that I, like, leaked all that shit about Jenna, but I only did that to protect CJ and I's asses because production was, like, oh, shit, you know, like, we had been writing this narrative where we bring on this like really cool queer person and this really cool black woman. And then they teach this horrible racist bitch like how to be a normal human. But then she never learned, she didn't get it. So it fucked up all their plans for the season. There was no redemption arc, which was supposed to be the main narrative of our show. Jenna was supposed to be the star of our season from day one. And she was supposed to have this like piece of shit girl gets a like, perspective on how to be a decent human and oh the real world facilitated the entire process but that's not how it worked because she was such a piece of shit so cj and i like tried and tried and tried to help her like see beyond what she had been raised with didn't happen and then the fight happened and you know sometimes you just gotta whoop someone's ass and cj you know was the one who decided to do that which makes sense because she had the most grievances against her but honestly, I mean, if someone had, if I was black and someone spoke to me the way that Jenna spoke to CJ and Dean, I probably would have thrown her off the balcony and made it look like an accident. She was an asshole. Right. CJ, I think, is just a little bit more direct than I was. You know, she thought, oh, let's just go straight for it. But Jenna also provoked as much. So I feel like that was just really, really sloppy. And it was a violation of our contracts because in our contracts it said if you push someone or hit someone, you're kicked off the show. But they knew yeah. that if they let Jenna keep pushing CJ, eventually hands were going to fly. So they broke our contracts, allowed Jenna to stay in the house, and then, of course, CJ beat her ass, as she should have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we talked about um, just before how you said, uh, you know, the season was a little bit of a shit show. I was basically going to ask you, like, because your season isn't really, you know, perceived, like, super well in regard as, like, one of the best seasons. Do you think that's, like, a rightful uh, placement? Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of that is also PR. And Black Twitter called for a boycott of the show because of the way that CJ was treated. We had really bad press right off the bat because of what I had leaked about Jenna. And, like, America is evolving. I think we're sick of seeing people be racist and homophobic on TV. Like, we experience it enough in our real lives. We don't, we're not entertained by it anymore. It's not novel. You know, like, when we have a president that is saying the same kind of things that Jenna said on TV, you lose all of the escapism that comes with watching television. Because then the issues that you're presented with in the news and in the media are right there in front of you. And you're supposed to be being entertained by them. It doesn't work. I think that's why they got rid of the real world was because it's too real for people. Right. You know, the challenge, they've almost entirely eliminated all of the kind of like gender, racial and sexuality based drama in the show. It's all about rivalries. And that's been done very intentionally because, you know, like people have been racist on these shows forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. I mean, that's like part of the show's legacy. And now all of a sudden they're canceling people for being racist on the show when they themselves cast those people to be racist on the show. Right. Like they knew Jordan was a racist. They knew D was a racist. They, Camilla has since said so many racist things over the course of her time on the show. Like 
these producers know these people are racist. They just don't do anything about it. In fact, they're proactively finding those people to come onto the show and cause problems. But it's not until the fan base is like, oh, wait, and does like a reality check and is like, oh, wait, I don't actually like this. I don't like seeing people be so shitty to each other based on their race, gender, or sexuality. And then production's like, oh, well, this is completely out of our control. Like, we had no idea these people were racist. And it's like, we did months of background checks. Of course you knew they were racist. Right. I don't buy this bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. Um, but now I'm going to ask you, how differently do you feel as though maybe you would have acted on your real world season or been like, had you been a lifelong fan like some of the other people um, prior to going on? Okay, so I mean, like, Kayla is a perfect example of how to do the shows if you want to have a career. Kayla has seen every episode of The Challenge, The Real World, and The Road Rules. Every single episode. She knows every single person that has ever been on any of those shows. Which, ultimately, if you're on The Real World, you're trying to get onto The Challenge because then they'll bring you back season after season. Real World only lasts one season. So Kayla, from day one, had a strategy. She knew everything about everybody. She knew exactly how to work the system so that she could be on the show. Very smart. I would argue that most of the people that you see now on the show that are regulars have a very clear strategy. Like, they know the archetypal person that they're supposed to be. They know what fans like about them. They know why people root for them. So they play up that character on their season so that they maintain their fan base and continue to expand it as they are on more consecutive seasons. For me, I just don't care. And I'm not interested in fighting with people for a living. I honestly am okay buying my own drinks. I don't need MTV to like funnel me full of Sky Vodka, you know? Um, and so for me, I like did the real world and then I was offered the challenge and I was like, oh, ugh. And then I was like, you know what? Actually, fuck yeah, let's do it. They've never had, um, they've had trans people on there before, but I felt like I occupied a pretty unique space demographically at that point. And I recognized that with the way that the world was changing, that having a non-binary person, which is how I was identifying back then on the show, could actually be really good, especially for like young LGBTQ people watching the show. Like, oh yeah, like watching this kid compete and that was what was so great about beating Tony is that he's like this big, masculine, seasoned competitor. But like, I think that we have this assumption that like LGBTQ people, especially trans women, you know, like we're weak and we've chosen to transition to being women. So like that must mean that we're like somehow in inherently weak. And that's like lingering misogyny, you know, and the way that it's... Um, like the way that femininity is still oftentimes identified with weakness, which is so fucked. But, you know, for me, like I'd been a Boy Scout. I had been rafting and hiking and climbing my entire life. I was very athletic. I was my swim team captain in high school. So just because, you know, I was dressing like a woman, it didn't mean that I didn't have all of this experience. But production tried to create this narrative of me just being this like, you know, fruitcake, which I totally am. But I can also rock climb. And so beating Tony was just such a great moment for me. And I kind of felt like I had done what I came to do because I knew there was no way in hell they were going to let me win that show. And I think that that's something a lot of people don't think about. Like, they don't let underdogs win the show. And they choose everything. No. And, like, if you think about how ridiculous some of these, like, challenges are like when you put two people against each other in a match at the end they call it different things every season but you know what i'm talking about right yeah you have the two mm -hmm. people put up for elimination you put them in an elimination round they already know they've been interviewing people all week they know who's going to go into elimination the producers are keeping tallies um and then if it's somebody that they want to go into elimination they coerce the conversation to try and get everybody to move them into elimination and if you're a good competitor, then you listen to the producers because you want them to like you. So then you take the people that they think should be in elimination, yada, yada, yada. Um, 
So at the point where I went up against Jordan, Jordan and I had been fighting in the house because of all of the comments he had made about Jemmy looking like she had Down syndrome. I worked with kids with Down syndrome for five years. I was like, that's unacceptable. I also thought that his past, the way that he had treated Naya, his history of racism was deplorable. And then he was pretty transphobic to me on the show as well during filming, which we've since made amends. But I'm sorry. You can say sorry. It doesn't take away from the fact that you were transphobic on national television. That's your problem, not mine. Um, and with that, um, you know, we had been fighting in the house quite a bit. Like tensions had really been brewing. And so they were like, oh, shit. Now we can get Amo out of here and we can give Jordan a redemption arc. So then they put Jordan and I in that wrestling, sand wrestling thing together, but then they also didn't realize that I had wrestled in high school. So I won the first three rounds, and I think that, like, winning the first three rounds and making hit, like, he's this, like, big semi-professional wrestler, and this, like, little faggot from Brooklyn is kicking his ass. So then he just started, like, beating the shit out of me, like, dragging my head through the dirt. I, like, my scalp was bleeding and had dirt, like, in my skin that I then wow. had to like pull out over the course of weeks. I mean, like when I left that elimination round, my body was so battered, I could barely walk. Okay. And so wow. people were like expecting me to come back on the show. And I'm like, I just had a mental and physical breakdown on national television. Absolutely fuck off. Right. So, I mean, and to me, it really did kind of feel like it was like a hate crime that was condoned by production because they knew he had been saying like transphobic stuff to me all week. So then you put someone who's like hyper masculine up against a trans person in a wrestling match. Of course, they're going to beat the shit out of them. And what's gross is I feel like that's what a lot of the viewers want to see. Because there are a lot of people that watch the show that are racist, that are homophobic, that are transphobic, that are misogynistic. And, like, these people love watching people like me get the shit beat out of me. And that's what y'all got. You know, you got right. what you wanted. I got the shit beat out of me. And now it's like I tell other – like, and now, like, we've seen the whole thing that's happened with Simone – where she like post that, posted that expose this week about how she was treated by production and how she was treated by white castmates on the show. And it's like, if you're a queer person or if you're a person of color, you're not gonna win this show. Right. This is a show that is made for straight white men to get off watching people who look like them win over and over and over. Mm -hmm. You're telling me that, like, some of these competitors, especially some of the, like, incredible competitors that are people of color who have been on the show, people like Anissa, people like Leroy, why have they never won? To me, that feels like systematic racism, because I know how much production has to do with who wins these shows. That's all. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's the yeah, end of my, well, my rant. <laughs> well, definitely, um, I'll get into the whole, uh, you know, you and Jordan elimination slash situation in a bit. But I want to take it back and rewind a little, little bit to how, you know, you first um, started, you know, getting on Dirty 30 and kind of like what your feeling was going into it. Because obviously rookies traditionally are like the sacrificial lamb, but not only that, you're also coming, you know, it's. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, rookies are basically, you're pretty much one of the only rookies from that, uh, you know, season on 30-30. Um, so what was your feeling coming into that? And also, kind of, what was your dynamic with Kayla like, considering, you know, you both were, she was like the one person there that, you know, you did the real world, but also she took more so of the backlash from, you know, your leakage that you uh, pulled on the season. Yeah, I mean, she and I have stayed friends. I mean, I still talk to her regularly. Like, aside from us having a professional background in common, I genuinely really like her. Um, and I think that when we got on the challenge and she, like, didn't invite me to be on her team, I took it really personally. But she then pulled me aside and was like, hey, will you chill out? We're on a TV show. It wasn't personal. 
And I was like, oh yeah, because I, you forget sometimes in this like world that they create for you that you're working, like it's a job. You know, it really isn't personal, it's your job. Right. You're there for a paycheck and that's it. Uh-huh. And I just kind of have decided that like, I like to be paid for things I like, you know? Um, right. Like Kayla loves it, it's a great job for her. Um, I don't, and and I think you see castmates like Kara, especially who's like now taking time off. Who like, no matter how far you get, I think there is a point in there, unless you're a total fucking sociopath, which props, but where you're like, I don't know if I want to do this right now, or if this is like the best choice for my mental health. So I really celebrated like Kara taking time away from the show because she's. She makes good money. She has work on the side. She's in a relationship that makes her really happy. So I was like, take a break. Take a fucking break. Right, yeah. So who do you feel like you kind of, uh, you know, resonated with most upon coming in? Because it seems like you and Kara kind of, like, you know, got along real Kara. well. They show. I really, really love her. I love Tori Deal. She's amazing. I would say Kara, I talked to... Um, Several times a year, uh, I try and just, like, because we really clicked on the show and she was so good to me, we try and maintain a, a, a friendship, and I really value that relationship a lot. Um, Tori, I talk to more frequently. Uh, she's just more a part of my life, and we're more similar in age, and I just really like her. Um, Kayla and I talk regularly. I probably talk to her the most. I still talk to... CJ and Sabrina and Dion from my season of The Real World semi-regularly. Um, I still think Anissa is hot. I mean... <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, she's, she's the only... Uh... I mean, like, she's still... She was the only person I fooled around with on the show, and she's still the only person I think I would sleep with in the entire franchise. Unless wow. we're including Are You the One, in which case I would have sex with literally anybody on that show. The bye <laughs> season, you know? Because yeah. I preferably it would be group sex and then we could involve more people. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I love Remy. I think Remy's a yeah. friend of mine, but I also think he is like so hot. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, and I don't know if you've uh, you know, seen it on Twitter at all, but Anissa this season's been like Oh my god, like some of her reactions, like facial expressions to some of what's going on have been like breaking the internet, dude. Oh, like... she's amazing. She's funny, she's gorgeous, she's very smart, and she knows herself. Which that I think was what I thought was the sexiest about her. Is of everybody on these shows, you have so many people who have no idea who the fuck they are because they've been doing it for so long that they've kind of just become who the show wanted them to be. Anissa is one of those, like, unique people in reality TV who I think has maintained some semblance of um, herself, which I really respect. Yeah, yeah. Mm hmm Because that sometimes gets lost in, like, you know, reality TV. Like, sometimes people lose sight of who they are and, you know, just try to... Yeah. The grand almost irony become being a character you call it reality TV way. and you lose all sense of reality being in it and watching it <laughs> right so taking it uh back to like sort of what we touched on before with uh you know you and jordan kind of uh you know you kind of brought up something we kind of didn't really get to see um because they didn't really make actually they didn't show at all of you and jordan previously you know before the elimination what happens uh, with you guys so kind of you know well we got in a fight based off of his comments about Jemmy, which were entirely disparaging to Down syndrome people, which I think any kind of ableism, especially on television, it's as disgusting, if not more disgusting, than disparaging someone for their race or their sexuality or their gender. Like, you're going to go after someone for a, a physical or a mental handicap? Gross. Um... So I thought that was totally inappropriate. And I called him out on it. And I think that he was really offended and really drunk um, because specifically someone like me called him out. 
I have a like a very strong personality, obviously, and I found that like the further I've progressed in my transition, the more um, I appear to look like a woman, the more like I my mannerisms reflect those that are typically more associated with femininity. Um, when I talk back to men, which I love doing, um, they're like, bitch, what? And I think that was kind of what happened. You know, he's like, oh, I mean, I remember he said, you think that you just because you run around here dressed like a woman that you can say whatever the fuck you want. And I was wow. like, oh, fuck off. I can't say whatever the fuck I want. And I just looked at him and I was like, if you really want to start being transphobic on the same night that you've insulted the entire Down syndrome community, go ahead and ruin your own fucking career because I'm not going to fight with you. And he was like, oh, no, they'll never, uh, this will never ruin my career. You're just a fucking bitch. You have no idea. And I was like, okay, fine. Which I think is so hilarious that now he's like being asked to take these seasons off, or at least that's what the internet is saying. And I'm like, yeah, well, at, at some point in this country, we were going to start holding people accountable for being ableist, racist, transphobic, homophobic, misogynistic. And I think we're going to start seeing a lot of especially like straight white men in these reality shows get their asses checked because like the Internet is not doing this bullshit anymore. Right. You're going to go on these shows and you're going to be a good competitor and you're going to like be nice and treat people with respect. Sure. Get your bag. Make your money. But if you're going to build a reputation off of impersonating a black woman and then personifying her as a monkey and then using the n-word in one of the most controversial instances of racism in reality tv history you had better believe that if you continue doing reality tv at some point the internet is going to come for you and i think that's what's happened in that situation right but talk to me about the elimination itself because not only was it very close and a lot better than, you know, maybe most people expected going in, we're talking about potentially the course of challenge history changing with this because not only does he go on to win that season, he's a three-time, you know, winner of the show. So we're talking about a drastic change in the well, course of the history of the show. You win that. Yeah, yeah. You know, Tony has obviously never won, but always has brought back. Always, I mean, they did not expect me to win that elimination. Obviously. Mm -hmm. I think it was the same thing with Jordan. And honestly, if Jordan hadn't like started beating the shit out of me, I probably would have won. I mean, I grew up really Mormon and fairness and morality and rules are very important to me. And I also am not interested in inflicting pain on people. The challenge was pull patches off, not beat the shit out of someone. And as far as like size goes, uh, there was no way I would be able to do that anyways, even if it was a part of who I was. And so, I mean, honestly, as disappointed as I am with how that elimination went between the two of us, I'm most disappointed with how it was handled by production because I was very clearly having a, a, a mental breakdown. You know, I had been like violently sexually assaulted several months previous to the show. They were very aware of the fact that that had happened. They still invited me to come on. And then the night before I left for the show, I was pretty violently sexually assaulted by a homeless person right outside of my apartment. Um, and I remember I called the casting director after I had got home and called the police, which can't call the police anymore. Ha! Um, but uh, I called the police. They had like, come over and, and all of this shit had happened. And I called the casting director and I was like, hey, you know, this guy just mugged me and like kissed me while he was mugging me on the side of the road in front of my apartment. And I'm like really upset. And they were like, yeah, I mean, you want to come or not? You got a plane ticket. And it was kind of like at the time, I had been so devastated by this assault. It had been really hard for me to work. It had been really hard for me to eat and get out of bed. I mean, I, I was like violently, violently assaulted um, by someone I was dating in New York. And 
I was like, I, I feel like this is kind of my only out, which I feel like is something that they do on these shows. They find people who are in really bad situations and come from bad circumstances, and then they exploit the shit out of them. Um, and for me, I, I just said yes, which I, I take full responsibility for, and I went. But then, like, Jordan is on top of me, beating the shit out of me in the exact same position that this partner had assaulted me in not even, what, seven or eight months previous. And I just totally blacked out. Like, I don't even remember, I think, the last two rounds. I was totally dissociated. And then I collapsed. And I have these, like, flickering memories of coming to, like, when someone's, like, pouring water on my face or taking my clothes off of me because I was hyperventilating. I have a memory of being loaded into a car. I don't know if it was an ambulance or a pedestrian vehicle. And then I have no memory for like three hours. And the next thing I remember is being in a shower. I have no idea how I got there. I have no idea who I was with. And I'm like covered in blood and dirt. And there was no going back after that. That was the end for me. Uh, you know, I've come back to do diversity panels for MTV. Um, and I've considered, you know, now that I'm trans, you know, the option of going back just to show people that a trans person can and should compete on this show. But at the same time, I also know that given how, frankly, stupid so many, so much of the fan base is, I think that's the only way to describe willful ignorance in 2020. Like if you're racist, transphobic, homophobic, misogynistic in 2020, and you just are too stupid to use Google to become more well-informed, you're an idiot. So I don't feel bad calling those people idiots. You're idiots, not you, but those people. Um, for me to go back on that show, it would be such a press and publicity nightmare for me because so many people who watch the show would be like, oh, well, she shouldn't be allowed to compete with these other female competitors because she has a biological advantage having been a man. And I think that's hilarious because I would never want to compete in an elimination round against Laurel or Anissa or Kara. They would kick my ass. They would kick most of the men on that show's asses, if not all of them, which is why those men are scared of them. Laurel could literally kill anybody she wanted to on that show. She is strong, she is smart, and she's so fucking, I think she's fucking cool. We've met outside of the show, obviously. But she's like one of my longtime crushes on the show, too. I love the girls. <laughs> um, now, talk to me a little bit about maybe who you didn't resonate or take that, you know, kindly to on the show. Not Jordan, like aside from Jordan, if there was any. Who, for the record, and also, I did genuinely some... really like previous to that night and I do once again like now I mean we've like made amends to an extent since then so it was ironic that he ended up being like the person that they pitted me against on the show because we really had had no beef previous to that um I don't know I mean I really didn't have issues with anybody on the show to be honest I think that's another reason why I haven't been invited back which like secretly it's one of those calls that like I dread because I don't know how I could say no to an opportunity like that. But at the same time, it's brought me so much pain in my life that I'm like, Ooh. it's kind of like when your right. abusive ex hits you up, but the sex was fire. <laughs> You're like, should I do it? Um, but that's the thing. Like, I really, there were people that they tried to like position me against. And I just, I don't know if I don't have serious beef with someone, I really don't give a shit about like your personal life. All I really care about is, like, when I see people, and I, I know I'll, like, say this sentence over and over and over. I feel like it's kind of become my mantra at this point. But, like, when I see people violating other people's rights or discriminating against them or using stereotype or bias to belittle them, then I'm about to take my gloves off and kick your ass. Right. Um, and thankfully, I didn't feel like that really happened on our show outside of Jordan. And, you know, now you know what happened there. So. Mm -hmm. Now, what about anything, you know, 
that wasn't seen. More specifically, were there any unseen, you know, hookups on Dirty 30? Because I know a few weeks ago, Amanda had said something uh, to, uh, I think it was Zach about um, Jenna and Tony, uh, you know, happening. Uh, I don't know if it was during Dirty 30 or like at the hotel before it, but I was just. Uh, I mean, the only one that I know that they've, I'm sure they've censored other ones. But, like, you know, Anissa and I, like, went back to my room together, and we ended up, like, fooling around. I don't think we had sex. We didn't have sex. Um, but also, what is lesbian sex? That's a hard one to answer. Um, <laughs> but um, that was not on the show at all. I think that it came so out of left field for the producers, too. They were like, what? Right, well, you know, like, she's queer, and I'm queer, and now that, like, I've transitioned, I guess it makes more sense for people or it might make more sense for people but she also I think there was in some kind of relationship at the time so we didn't talk about it in our interviews because I was trying to protect her okay um but yeah I mean that was totally cut all the way out of the show they were like what the fuck you know right (laughs) she's awesome I'm, like, sitting here, like, filled with melancholy. Because I remember when I met her, I was, like, totally wet. I just was like, oh, my God. I thought she was so hot. Aside from that, though, nothing else that you could, you know, shed any light on? No. But then again, like I said, I really don't pay attention to other people's business. I'm, like, focused on what I'm doing, how it affects other people, and how it benefits my life in the future. And so when I see people doing, like, dumb shit around me, I'm like, you know. Right. I really, yeah, I I really don't know if I've seen, people do hella drugs off screen. And I won't tell you who, because I think Yeah, I heard something about that. But people do mad drugs off screen on this show. (laughs) Yeah, I heard something on one of the shows. I don't know if it was Dirty 30. It could have been a different season. But I think Jordan had, like, purchased, you know, weed. And then people were doing that on a balcony or something like that. I can neither confirm nor deny that. Right. (laughs) But if I also don't consider marijuana to be a drug. I mean, I I literally was going to smoke before this. But then I was like, I'll probably say things you know, like, speak freely anyways. I really don't need any kind of social lubricant to, like, say what's on my mind, obviously. Um, But, no, like, people did mad drugs. I mean, like, Dion, on my season of The Real World, I was so mad because they told us, like, oh, if you do drugs, we'll pick you up immediately. He was, like, doing acid and blow and mushrooms and molly. And, like, after the show, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And, like, you know how Dion got blackout on our season all the time? Yeah. Now I realize that's probably because he was crossing all of these different substances. (laughs) He probably didn't remember that that hookup with Kayla. You know, he's like, I really don't remember it. And she's like, fuck you, you're fucking misogynist. You know, like, we made love. And he's like, no, I really don't remember having sex with you. And I look back on that and I was like, he was probably like, not just cross-faded, but like triple-faded. You know, like, he probably had done some pills done some coke, drank, smoked, and then all of a sudden there's, like, a warm body in bed next to him. Like, I don't know about you, but, like, if someone is saying, like, yes, yes, please fuck me, and I'm super fucked up, I'm always waiting for consent, but I really don't care who it's with (laughs) if it gets to that point. So, yeah, I think that's what happened with Dion. In defense of Dion. Because Dion and CJ should be on the challenge by now. They yeah, that was bad. that was gonna lead into questions. I was gonna ask what's like representation of your season on the challenge. You did one season, and then Kayla's obviously, you know, she's on this. Well, she was on this season, um, and she's obviously done a good, fair amount of, you know, her shows. But I, I was gonna ask you, who do you feel would have translated? or would you like to see on uh you know the challenge from your real oh definitely dion and cj definitely they're both 
great athletes. They're great television. I, I, like, I've seen a lot of things from fans in different mm-hmm. like, forums and stuff where they're like, what the fuck? Like, especially CJ, they're like, why is she not? I think that MTV is honestly just scared to bring her back on because she was so controversial. But right, like, right. they brought both Naya and Jordan, or Naya's been invited, um, and Jordan's been on so many seasons, and like, they brought Camilla back so many times. Right, yeah. So I think that that's also kind of racist. I think it's some systematic racism in place, absolutely. Um, because they bring back controversial white people. Mm-hmm. I also so. thought, and I will just say this, I don't know D. I don't really care to like read more hate speech from people right now, so I didn't really pay attention to that whole scandal. But I did think it was, frankly, disgusting that MTV has all of these white people on the show who have been like, who have made being racist a part of what has allowed their career to continue. Because there are a lot of people that watch this show, as we learned with Jenna on my season, who support that kind of behavior. And these yeah. people know that. Jenna knew that. That's why she kept being so racist on our show. She's like, the South will love me. And a lot of people in the South did. Um, but I just, I felt like that was in poor taste on behalf of MTV to like focus all of this media scrutiny on D, who like herself is not one of the like straight cis white men who have made entire careers out of being like knowingly misogynistic, racist, transphobic, homophobic. Right. So once again, good job MTV. I don't know why we keep trusting MTV to, like, be the people who, like, set society on track. It's, I know. Their biggest show is Teen Mom. It's a show about teenage rednecks getting pregnant. This and is Corey. trash. We have to know <laughs> that, right? Yeah. Now, what are your thoughts on the challenge pulling from a larger casting pool now more specifically big brother the uk and other shows like that and now after you answer that i'm basically going to post a question to you what show would you personally you know could you see yourself liking being on i think the only thing i would do now is um if they did a show kind of like, uh, and do you remember MTV True Life? Yeah. Where it was like singular episodes that just kind of gave you insight into like everyday people's lives. Something like that. My house is pretty sick, so maybe Cribs if they brought it back. <laughs> <laughs> that would, yeah. Um, uh, well, I really don't know. I mean, aside from that, I just feel like so much of the material that's on MTV is, like, intentionally exploitative. Yeah. You know, like, if you notice on the shows, you're not ever getting, like, really well-educated people who come from strong family backgrounds. That's mm-hmm. not who ends up on this network. Right. They're intentionally bringing on people that are damaged, that are abandoned, that are exploited. And I just think that's not just poor taste, but I think it's bad TV. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why I think like Netflix is probably going to start taking over the reality market, because if you've watched any of the Netflix reality shows, they're fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Did you watch um, what's it called? I watched, I, I shamelessly, I have not watched reality TV in years. Like, but then we're in quarantine and they did that show, the um, the one where you get married the first time you see him, like Love at First Sight or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Love is Blind. Love is Love Blind. Is, yeah. And Too Hot to Handle. Admittedly, I fast-forwarded through a lot of the fodder, like the people that I don't give a shit about. I was like, man, man, man. But like, I fucked with Love is Blind. I thought that that show was brilliant. It was like The Bachelor and Black Mirror. Yeah. 
I would be on a show like that. That was <laughs> fucked. And it didn't exploit anyone's like background. The only person that it really exploited was that girl Jessica, and she was such a holy piece of shit that like watching them watching a reality show finally turn the light on white people's bad behavior, I was like, ah, you know? Instead of like creating right. these stereotypes like, oh, angry black woman, crazy gay person, um, damaged trans person, like those aren't real. They find those people to perpetuate those stereotypes. But one thing I know is real is a Karen. And they found the hottest Karen in America in that fucking chick. What was her name? What was her name on Love is Blind? The horrible girl. Oof. Don't even remember. I'm glad I don't remember. But yeah, fuck her. She was a piece of shit. <laughs> so I take it uh, you're not a huge fan of them pulling from uh, Big Brother in UK? Or are you just impartial to it? I, I'm totally impartial to it. I'm really glad, actually, that they did because there are some people like Natalie who I never would have been exposed to, introduced to, had it not been oh, through oh, the big show. Yeah. And I love Natalie. So I guess I'm okay with it just because of Natalie. So thanks, okay. Natalie. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, MTV, for hey, doing it, Natalie. Yeah. So now this is basically more of like a uh, question for the fans, not necessarily myself, because, you know, this comes up pretty much with anybody that has been on the show. They always want to yeah. know, what are the odds, you know, we can see you back? So I'll pose the question. Say if MTV were to call you tomorrow or a week from now, what, uh, what would come to mind basically uh, for you in terms of accepting or declining the call? If they let, if they did a season where it was kind of like, they've done seasons in the past where you got to bring on like a friend or a family member, and that was your team. Yeah, that's the bloodline season. Yeah. Uh -huh. If they did another bloodline season, 100%. Like, I think it would be so cool to have a team with like another trans woman or with my brother. You know, like, can you imagine how cool that would be? Like, two trannies taking it all the way through. Like, yeah, that'd be that like be such sick. a storyline. You know what I mean? Yeah, that would be so fucking cool. If MTV's watching this, look, I just gave you your next big press thing. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, but like that, I think would be sick. That's the only way I would do the show. You know, I would mm -hmm. never go into one of these shows by myself again. That was naivety on my part. Okay. Yeah. thought if you had to say between you know ct and johnny basically like the two guys that are you know been the staple of the challenge who between the two in your opinion would you say is the better you know all-time competitor oh god um i don't know i really don't think i could answer that question i think that johnny just represents a different generation ct is like here and you have johnny here and honestly, I think Kayla represents, like, the next round of, like, career reality people. I've never met anyone who was so good at the game. Mm -hmm. um, and not the game of the challenge, like, the game of being on reality TV, because it is a job. And I don't think there is anybody who has done right, as right. many consecutive seasons as quickly as Kayla has. You know, I mean, like, maybe there are other people that have done uh, more yeah. than her, obviously. But if you look at her career trajectory, she's like, boom, 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 boom. Um, I think that's what I, have, I think is really cool about Johnny is that he's, like, very clearly a, created a character and a market and a demographic. And, like, he really does show up. Like, I thought that was so cool that he did that booth at DragCon last year. That is so brilliant and also so fucking cool. Thank you, Johnny, for that. Um, and CT, um, CT had a cousin that I think was LGBTQ in some capacity. And so he was really, really good to me on the show. And I really appreciated that. So instead of comparing or disparaging, I guess I'll just say, I think both of them are great. And I'm very happy for the success that they've had in their careers. 
Right, yeah, I couldn't agree more. But, but uh, it was a pleasure again to speak to you today, and this was yes. definitely a ton of fun. I know the fans are going to, like, eat this up once this comes out, and I'll be sure to uh, send you the link and let you know when it's uh, okay. out, and I hope you uh, enjoyed it as much as um, I did. Do you post these to the, the Challenge fan page on Facebook? Yeah. Okay, well, then I have to shout out those people because y'all are so great to me and so wonderful every time I post, and I love all of you, so thank you for continuing to follow my weird life. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on today. And, thank you. Um, I'm going to go get It was a pleasure. Thank and you I... for having me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, take care. Bye. Bye-bye.